When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove, and with me, as always, is the super producer, Jason. Greetings, everyone. And blessing us again with his presence is the now known as the barrister. How are you doing, barrister? I'm hanging in there. Just hanging in there? Hanging in there. It's a rough, uh, rough 4th of July weekend? Uh, not too bad. Not but too I'm bad. excited to, to get back to talking some good paranormal stuff. So. <laughs> All right, all right. Well, we're super excited. <clears throat> Our guest today is, I'm going to just put it out there, and he can disagree if he wants to, but he's among the royalty in paranormal podcasts. Uh, probably one of the um, biggest well-known podcasts in the world, in the, in the, in the world of paranormal, um, is Jerry Pauly from the Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast. Welcome, Jerry. Oh, kind of surprises me. I thought you were introducing Jim Harold. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, listen, we, we know what bread we need to butter. Okay. So today you're the bread that we're buttering. So, <laughs> well, the, the, the check will be in the mail. Just give your Venmo or your PayPal. <laughs> so how's it, how's it going, Jerry? And, and, and welcome. Thanks for showing up. Thank, thank you. We're glad to have you on the show. Uh, you know, since it's your show. But yeah. you know, I'm here too. <laughs> We're glad to have you on our show. Yes, <laughs> we think it's our we think it's our show, but sometimes it really is is out of our hands. Trust me. You got to hide your no, I, <laughs> I I appreciate all the accolades, and yes, I do completely disagree with you. I don't. Uh, I mean, we're 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 one of the bigger names out there, but you know, we don't see ourselves as any different than you guys or anybody who just started two weeks ago. I mean, it's. Uh, Podcasting is a is a unique endeavor, and I think there are so many talented people out there doing this. <clears throat> Unfortunately, not everybody has the the audience that we've been lucky enough to get, you know. And and I do say lucky in a, in a way that part of it was earned, and then part of it is is the luck to be able to partner up with some good shows. I mean, we we had the privilege of being on Jim Harold's show and 
uh, Tony Bruski's show, Real Ghost Stories Online. And those two shows alone tremendously helped us get to where we are. So, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter how good your show is if nobody hears it. Very true. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So how, how long have you and now your, your wife, Tracy's not with us today, but how long, I mean, first of all, what was the genesis that you guys decided, Hey, Hey, let's, let's just do a podcast because usually, and for all the people out there, I'm not giving marriage advice. It's not really a great idea to work with your, with your significant other in every situation, especially when you're, you know, trying to be creative and, and joke back and forth a little bit and, and be entertaining. Um, I know my spouse doesn't always find me entertaining. So how do you guys work? <laughs> Jason's looking at me like, I can't believe you just said that. But, well, it's like, it's like most keys to marriage. It's living in two separate houses. Uh, that's what, how we make it work. No, the, the reality of it, it was, a, it was a complete accident because if you go back to the beginning of the show, which was uh, August 21st will be our five-year anniversary when we started the show. And when you go back to the very beginning, Tracy was not part of it. I actually started the show with a, a gentleman by the name of Ricky Graninger, who was a friend of mine. And I was doing stand-up comedy for roughly 12, 13 years and decided, you know what? I kind of want to get out of comedy. I tried several times to get out of comedy. And just because there's a lot of headache, people don't realize, just like with a podcast, you know, you get your casual listener who will listen to the show and they're like, oh, that's great. They did a show and they were on there for 45 minutes. And uh, that sounds like uh, a lot of fun. Well, they don't realize all the work that goes in before that 45 minutes of sitting at the mic and all the work that goes in after that 45 minutes of editing and all that stuff. Well, comedy is the same way. And, uh, you know, the, the time on stage was great. Loved it. Nothing better. But all that time before promoting shows, getting the show set up, getting the other comedians on board, man, that's a pain in the neck. Nope. And uh, no truer they, words have been spoken. Oh, right. for Pete's uh, sake. J- Jason <laughs> can't even give his headphones on his head now because he's like, yeah, now these guys, everybody knows how much work I do after. Fortunately for me, <laughs> I'm just the voice talent, and I don't have to worry about the setting anything up or the mixing oh, anything or anything. Where's like the want? Okay, you pellet can... man. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm just the voice talent. Oh, jeez. Okay. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know, musicians and all, they all, know, they all know, you know, it's not just about that time on stage. And so I got tired of it, and I, I would get out of it. But you know how it is. If you're in any form of entertainment, I don't care what anybody tells you, you're in it for one main reason. You like the attention. You like the feedback from the crowd. And there's nothing better. It's just such an adrenaline rush. And I, I, I would always get sucked back into it because I would miss that part of it. And then uh, I was listening to Tony and Jenny Bursky from Real Gold Stories Online, and they added some comedy to Paranormal. And I, I've always been a big Paranormal buff uh, from years of living in a haunted house and, and what have you. And I thought, you know what? That's something I think I could do. I think I could do a podcast. And I had a friend of mine, Ricky, that uh, he he actually worked for me at a, at a prior business that I was at. And we would always have these talks about paranormal. And I thought, man, you know what? If people could hear us, I think they would like this show. So when it came time and I decided I wanted to do a podcast, he was the first person I went to. And Tracy automatically, she's like, Lucy from the old I Love Lucy, always wanted to be on the show with Ricky. So it was like, hey, how about me? And I'm like, um, hey, you don't really care about the paranormal. <laughs> it's not something that you're enthusiastic about at all. So I don't think that would be a good fit. So I chose Ricky. And Ricky and I started off doing a 20-minute show. 
and it was basically a, a lot more adult humor. And that's where we had fun. Did a lot of voices that people have criticized since. And, you know, we just had fun with it. And there was a lot of cursing and stuff like that. And I remember Diane student from history goes bump. She said that when she listened to our show, because I had her listen to it before the Tracy days, she said, it sounded like listening to two guys in a bar. And that was pretty accurate. I would say, and that's kind of what we were going for. And, um, we did eight episodes started realizing that Ricky wasn't, um, not by as choice as more time, uh, restrictions, wouldn't as committed to the podcast as I was. And it's only because, like I said, it wouldn't, you know, anything negative on him. It was a hobby to him. And to me, I don't do hobbies. Everything I do, I am full blown into. And uh, so I took it, it, took it extremely serious. And so I was into it and he wasn't as much into it. And uh, so one time he was like, I'm not going to be able to make it over to record. And it was the night an episode was due to record. We record and put our episodes out the same day. So that's the way it was set up. And he said he wasn't going to be able to make it over. I was two hours from when we were supposed to record, and I was in a car with uh, Tracy. And I said, well, he's not going to be able to make it, so you're going to have to fill in tonight. And she was like, oh, I, bet I don't know anything about what your show's going to be about. I said, don't worry about it, because this particular show – was on rock and roll in the occult. And I had actually written everything and was going to be doing all the talking. And for the most part, Ricky was just going to uh, kind of jump in and, and give his perspective where in the past he had written some of the show and I had written some of the show. And so I said, just sit there and respond. And she did. And our listeners really liked that. They liked that way more than the episodes that Ricky and I did. It was a cleaner show. It didn't have all the, adult humor in it. And, and it was me telling something that Tracy had no clue about and just getting an honest response. And uh, so Ricky came back and did two more episodes. And he said, you know what, I think it's better with her. And uh, starting on episode 12, uh, Tracy came back full time. And that's been our, our whole theme of the show is she never knows the story of what we're going to do. And she just honestly responds. And a lot of the listeners are like, Hey, I was thinking the same question. So that worked out. So now the show's clean. It's pretty much much family friendly as, you know, somebody killing their entire family and then committing suicide can be. But, <laughs> you know, but as far as language wise, you know, it's just pretty much family friendly. And I think that's been the key. I don't think we would be anywhere near where we are had it, we continued Ricky and I along that path. Yeah, you obviously found the right yeah, you found the right chemistry, yeah. chemistry that yeah. made it work. Yes. Yeah. And I will say our show's. I talk to the guest ahead of time, probably 99.9% .9 of the time, and don't tell these guys any of the details of the stories that they're going to hear. For that very reason, it makes it for a much better organic show right. when I'm looking across the table and I know what's coming, and then all of a sudden Jason and the barrister's eyes get like big as saucers, like, what? Did you just say, you know, and so I can, I can see, you know, the episodes I've listened to of you guys, you know, Tracy's kind of like, what, what do you, you know, like she's surprised, you know, and that adds. Well, there's a fine line that goes, there's a fine line that, that, between being prepared and being scripted and mm -hmm. being, you know, too wooden being rehearsed. So we, yeah. so I think what we try to do is Grover gives us, you know, who the guest is going to be and we kind of do some of the research 
individually ourselves find out some things that we have some questions that you know we want to do but the zinger stories we don't know this is jason yeah. i don't know the zinger <laughs> stories yeah. and it's i think it so creates we, a good yeah. or a, a, we totally relate than how you know how you guys do it you know we don't do it uh, apparently as well but we can totally relate how you guys do <laughs> maybe we should borrow tracy so as we talked as we talked about before it's not that you don't do it as well it's just you haven't found the audience yet <laughs> i've heard i've heard some we had a we had a show uh come on and we did an interview with them and i'm telling you their show was funny it was well researched it was production value was off the charts, top notch sound, and they were getting fifty listens an episode. And it's just like, wow, what a what a shame that a show that's this well know, done. You know, I think the big thing is you, you gotta have the right topic for people wanna hear look, people wanna hear what they want to hear. And and I'll peruse lots of you know, lots of podcasts, but if it's not a subject matter that I really want to listen to, I'm not gonna listen to it. So I think you got to find your niche and, you know, find your niche and find the audience that wants to hear what you're going to, to talk about. So we, you know, we've kind of taken this broad approach to from the shadows podcast where we talk about cryptids. We talk about UFOlogy. You do know we're interviewing him. He's not interviewing us. Right. right? <laughs> well, this is a conversation. This is organic. We got Mr. Scripted over here. Hey, you asked me to come on this thing. So let's do this. I think people, I think people like hearing the behind-the-scenes stuff like this, yeah, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so so it works for you guys. So what – now, does does Tracy have any – has she ever had any input in, like, what the story is going to be? Has she ever said, hey, I want to give it a try, or is Z it – Zero. Zero. So – Zero. I mean, and you guys do – a crap load of episodes. I mean, how many for the people that, and I can't, I find it hard to believe that we have listeners that do not listen to you guys, but we know that there probably are. How many episodes a week do you guys put out between your Patreon and your regular uh, episodes that are available for free? Well, technically, as far as putting out, we put out like a Patreon preview and a, uh, um, I guess a classic episode. Those don't, those are ones that are done in the past. So, but we put out three episodes a week, actually four episodes. We put out four episodes a week, but only two of those episodes are like brand new that we had to put the effort on, on our, on our regular feed. Uh, one of which is Hillbilly Dead Time Stories, which we also have a video channel. So each one of those episodes has a, has a correlating video that goes with it. Those are about eight to 10 minutes. They're completely scripted. It's me doing the narrating. I do the videos. So that's that's a little different. So it's got some music behind it. It's a little different than what our conversational style hillbilly horror story podcast is. And like I said, in the other two, it's just a classic or whatever. So we have two originals come out every week on the main feed. On Patreon, we do two full-length episodes a month, but then we also put out six short episodes every week. So if you were a Patreon subscriber at the $15 level, you would get uh, 26 episodes a month that are not part of the regular feed. So yeah, we, we put out probably more than anybody does on Patreon. Uh, yes, my hat, I mean, our hats off are off to you on that. I mean, cause you know, and, and we've, we've, we've kind of talked, you know, we all have full-time jobs, so this isn't our full-time job. And we're, I mean, it's a lot of work just to put out a couple episodes a week. And, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, to ha find the content and record it, edit it and get it out there. You guys are, 
That's amazing. No matter if it's a 10-minute episode or an hour episode, it still takes time. No, and that doesn't include the, the prep time for the 10-minute show, the, the dead time stories. So you got to write yeah, it, they, you got to research yeah. it. So yeah. mm-hmm. dead, dead time stories takes that little eight-minute segment probably has about six and a half hours tied into it. By the time you make the video, all the prep work into the video and uh, mm-hmm. you know, finding the story and actually recording it. Because trust me, I am not a good reader and uh, narrating is not my, I can tell you a story like this. And I think most people kind of like the way I tell a story, but to be dramatic and, and, and do it like that, that's not my forte. So I, I spend a lot of time re-recording these things, just like I do the commercials we do. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So let's, uh, as they say in Hollywood, cut to the chase. Um, what our listeners love to hear is personal accounts. So tell us how how you first got involved with the paranormal. I assume it was a as a as a young kid that uh, you had some experiences. Roughly teenager, I would say. You know, I was uh, at 12 years old. We moved into a new house. I, I say new house. It was, a, it was, we had bought a house. It wasn't a new house. It had been around probably 25, 30 years before that. So we moved into this house. And for the first year, everything was basically okay. Nothing, nothing had happened. But my mom was having some major depression issues. She was raised by her great grandparents, and her great grandfather passed away. And this really put her in a tailspin. As that happened, she became a completely different person. And like I said, depression, you know, when I was 12 years old, I had no clue what depression was. I just knew that she seemed sad and didn't really know what the deal was. You don't realize that it's really a mental issue. And this continued on. And about four months later, her grandmother, great-grandmother passed away also. So she lost both of these very key figures in her life in a four-month period. And the very first incident we had at the house was we were we were sitting across the room. We were there's we had a television. It was one of these rectangle shaped rooms, living room. We had a television on one end. We were sitting on the opposite end, and it's one of those big console televisions. On the television, there is a small like dollhouse type chair. Okay, about the about the size of your palm. Now this thing was uh, more of a pin cushion, and for people who were a little bit older and, and sold. It was set up so like the little seat would lift up. You would put all your needles and your thread and stuff like that in there. And then the rest of it was a pincushion, and you just used this as your sewing box. But we used it as a decoration. And it was sitting on the television. I was sitting using a sketch pad drawing something, and my mom was on the phone with the 700 Club, for anybody who remembers that, as they had a prayer <laughs> yeah, line. Yeah. So she's on the phone with them on the prayer line, and they're talking to her. We are probably, I would say, a good eight feet away from this television. As she's talking on the prayer line and I'm sitting there sketching in my pad, this little chair pops up in the air, not falls off, pops up. It probably went two feet high, and then it landed two, three feet away, right in the middle of the floor. And I remember to this day, there was we had just done some work to the outside of the house, so we had taken the house numbers off. So there were three metal house numbers that was laying on top of that, which had some weight to it, and a bottle of Elmer's glue. And all this stuff scatters. And we just looked at each other in that 
did you just see that? And it was obvious by the look at each other. Yes, <laughs> we both just saw that. And I remember her telling the people on the, on the uh, prayer line, I have to go. And she hangs up. Nothing else happened. This was probably 7, 730. And all of a sudden, we decide, you know what, we're probably taking this too far. We're just imagining the whole thing. And, uh, you know, we didn't really see this. Something happens, logical explanation. So I go to bed around 11. She comes in and wakes me up. And uh, she says, hey, can you come into the living room because I'm hearing some strange noises in the attic? I go into the attic and I don't hear anything. Or not the attic, I go into the living room and I don't hear anything coming from the attic. And our attic basically is uh, just rafters and some insulation. There really isn't anything. A little bit of storage up there, not much, but there's no plywood or anything to walk around, so you would just have to set some stuff, make sure you set them on the rafters so they wouldn't fall through the, the ceiling. And I tell her I don't hear anything, I go to bed. The next night, she wakes me up again. Well, this time I go into the living room, and literally within, I don't know, two, three minutes, I start hearing something scooting. If you've ever scooted like a dresser or a chest over a wooden floor, there's a certain sound that it makes, and that's the sound that was coming up there, but there was nothing up there that could have made that sound. And that's really how everything started in that house, and it went on for basically five years of hearing voices in the ductwork that sounded like kind of like people talking, but it was like a whisper, so you never could really make out what was being said, but you could tell it was voices. I could always tell it was like two men and one woman, but that's the, the best I could ever get. We would have uh, objects that would move. Like uh, I remember one time I was getting ready to walk out to the swimming pool that we had in our backyard. I was the only one in the house, and they were everybody else was out the pool. I walked through a door that led to my sister's room. All these, all these rooms in this house made like a big circle. So you walk through each door you know, to get to a room. There really was no hallway. And I go to walk out, and there's a a toy box sitting right there by the door, and there was two or three stuffed animals right at the door where I was my path of walk was. So I picked them up, I put them in the toy box, I go outside to the pool for a few minutes. Nobody else is coming in the house. I come back in the house. It's only been a couple of minutes, and there's those toys right back in the floor after I'd already moved them once. So things like that happened on a regular basis, and like I said, it went on for about five years. Now I will say I look back. And my mom ended up passing away. Her health never improved. Her health went downhill, and she ended up dying at 54 years old. And I'm convinced that all of it had to do with her frame of mind. Because she went from she went from this carefree, happy person, always wanting to take trips and, and be in the car singing and stuff like that to never even leaving the house. And you could just see her dwindle over the years. And... You know, it was it was sad to see, but I, I look back now on what I what I realized from doing the show, and I think what we were experiencing more than a ghost or anything was more of a, I guess, a poltergeist activity the activity that either she caused from her state of mind, or that some type of a spirit that knew that she was in that bad frame of mind and took it upon itself to uh, take advantage of that. So, so that's a great that's a great jumping in point for us because we've 
you know, with whether you're talking about cryptids or you're talking about aliens or you talk about, you know, the proverbial ghosts or, you know, poltergeists, there, there's different theories to what things really are. And, and we have on here have have wrestled with uh, what what really are ghosts? You know, what what is that? So you bring up an interesting point. Was this a poltergeist type energy that your your mom was putting off because of her mental state? Or was this some sort of spirit or or what have you? Or her mental state was caused <clears throat> by the... Right. Yeah. So I guess we have different theories on here. We'd love to know, because you've talked to so many people, heard so many stories. We'd love to know what your theory is on ghosts. Well, I think I'm pretty much in the same camp you guys are. I think that's a variety of things. Uh, I do believe that poltergeist activity is pretty much caused by the person going through something. I think that's them projecting in some way, shape, or form. I think that there are actual spirits, whether they be guardian angels or what have you, that are family members that decide to look over top of you and see what see what's going on. And I believe that for the most part, there are evil spirits I don't necessarily, I, I don't, this was a tricky one because sometimes I go back and forth and it sounds a little hypocritical. I don't necessarily know that I believe in demons, but I do think that there were some really bad people on earth that when they pass away, hey, that's no different than having grandma who was a great spirit. You've got, the, if you were a jerk on earth, you're probably going to be a jerk in the afterlife. And I mm-hmm. think, uh, I think sometimes you're just stuck here. I don't really have an answer as to why people are stuck here or why they choose to be here. But I can tell you that uh, I I was talking to a couple of psychics and I kind of believe their theory on what happens when we die. I think that I don't think that there's necessarily a heaven and hell aspect. I think that you go to like classes and you learn what you did right and what you did wrong. And eventually you get other chances and you learn from your mistakes. And I think that's kind of what happens after you die. You just, it's like, Hey, you need to take a little more training so you can see all the places you screwed up and how to do things better. And if you're a serial killer or something, then, you know, you probably got a lot more classes to take. So you're taking more of a far Eastern type approach that basically you can be reincarnated. Mm-hmm. So I hundred hundred percent believe so, in reincarnation so now, where I didn't five years ago. <laughs> so I've read a lot, and and you listen to different people, and the the thing that I try to do is is I try to say, you know, you, you have to respect science, okay? You, you, and I'm not a scientist, and I didn't study right. science in, in in college. I was a social science, what they call the soft science, history, philosophy, political science, but but science can give us a lot of answers and and then you look at the paranormal where there's where there's not answers and somewhere there's a there's a marriage between the two and, and the thing that, that we've talked about is and i don't go too far down a rabbit hole because this goes so far over grover's head that you oh, know geez, he just though. tunes off because he was a <laughs> very poor student i think the sound of your voice is what tunes me on yeah he's a very poor subject. student okay. Um, but if you think about, if you think about from a scientific standpoint is that, you know, the the whole universe itself, if, if you want to believe that there's a creator or, or an architect or something like that, 
It was created from a primordial singularity where every everything in the universe was compacted into one small ball of white hot energy. And then for reasons unknown, it expanded what they call inflation, and that energy dispersed itself throughout what is known as the known universe. But the interesting thing is the universe as we know it is flat. It's like a tabletop. It's flat. And, and, and not to go too far into the math, but the reason why it is flat is because we have basically a constant state of energy. So, so energy, if, if, if there was positive energy, negative energy, you'd have like a parallelogram on a, on a chart. But because energy is a constant throughout the universe, the universe remains flat. So with that being is, and we know rule th- first rule of thermodynamics is energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It just takes different forms. So there is a constant state of energy. So, so you, know, you know, two people, you know, procreate, they have a baby, that is energy. Where did that energy come from? Because they couldn't create it. You know, energy, they can't create energy. It just had to take a different form. And then you live your life and you die. Where does your energy go? You know, and that's kind of where this far Eastern and kind of stuff I'm thinking about is that, is that the, what we're experiencing, what we call paranormal, what we call ghosts is, is energy. And it is, it's trapped here for reasons, you know, we can't explain, but it, because it's energy, it can move things. It can touch things. It can, you know, create, you know, I don't know, voices and different things like that. So, but is that, but my guess, my question is, does that energy is it sentient? Does it have an intelligence to it? I think it does. And and, and I'm kind of with you. Like, I mean, I, Einstein said that, you know, energy doesn't cease to exist. You know, just because you die doesn't mean your energy disappears. And, you know, if, if that energy has the personality or it has the ability to have you see you, and, and this is the way I think people will be like, well, why does a ghost have to have overalls on? You know, because I think that the spirit has you see them as you best remember them. You may see grandpa in a set of overalls and a ball cap because that's the way you remember him. Somebody else may see him, you know, as a suit as he was on his wedding day, Mm. I think. But that same energy appears different to different people. I've also heard theories that people think that you appear to people how you want to appear to people like, you know, if I felt like that I looked my best, if I died at 75 and I felt like I looked my best in my 30s, that's the way I would appear to people, the way I was in my 30s or my 40s or whatever I was happiest happiest with in my life. But like I said, I don't know how accurate that is or any of us knows how accurate that would be. But I think spirits can, you know, appear in different aspects to people different ways. Sometimes it might be the smell of a perfume. Sometimes it might be an apparition. And if that's the case, then yeah, there has to be some kind of intelligence factor to it. I agree with that. Yeah. I've, I've heard those, some of those same uh, things, like especially how the um, spirit, so to speak, would uh, be able to appear to you as how it felt when it was uh, at its happiest time, when it was a living being. That's usually how they choose, and they say for most people, it's when they're mid between their mid twenties and mid thirties. Listen, that's when I look in the mirror. My mind's eye is still telling me that I've been my. No, I've heard, I've heard that from. I've heard that from a lot of people. 
Well, yes, but the, and a lot of people apparently look in the mirror and think they do really look because they're seeing a flashback to the 20s and 30s. You know, there's an actual phenomenon that says when you look in a mirror, you see yourself 20% better looking than what everybody else does. Dear Lord. Yeah, I got to work on that. Day. I need to get at least 40. I think that's only for vain people. <laughs> so, so Jerry, going back to, so as you've interviewed people and you've, you've had so many shows and people with different encounters and we're not asking you to rehash all that stuff, but is there a consistent theme? Because the, the thing that, that I struggle with, with, with the, you know, I, I think it's, it's energy. My, my dad, who was the seventh son of a seventh son, believe it or not, he was always seeing things, and, and he believed that he wasn't seeing ghosts. He thought he was seen through um, dimensions, that, like time, because he would see people, like, all the time, like, dressed in, like, colonial era clothes. I had no clothes. idea that, that we were there. Yeah, that, that, like, he is, like, the... Like, the, like, you know, because there's a, there's a whole theory that, that time is not linear, that it doesn't run in a straight line, that it's circular. So he was believing that he was seeing people from just a different time. And just for some reason, the way the dimensions lined up, he was able, because they didn't know, they couldn't see him. They were just going about their normal everyday business. Like, it was weird. Like, he'd go out to his barn and he would see people just doing normal things. Like, they had no idea he was there. So it's like he are you trying to say that he was seeing through the veil of dimensions, different dimensions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what he was seeing. Like hmm. the time because time there's some theories that everything is happening right now. And yes. that we kind of can in our minds, we're just training uh, ourselves to to experience what we want to experience right, it's right circular, now. And it's not But at the same time, my 9-year-old self on this is doing whatever exact my same nine, thing. Over eating over peanut over butter and again. chocolate and drinking a Pepsi or something. Mm-hmm. My nine year old self, was which doing. not to not you know not to go too far into theology, but but you will, but I will. Okay, but you, you know the Bible basically says that 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 the Lord, the Creator, the Architect of this universe, is you know is omnipotent, omniscient, the Alpha Omega, what was, what is, was meant to be, and so that. He he would able to know what you're going to do because he's already seen it because time is circular. That if you if you create it, it's it's almost like if like coding a video game. You know, people who create and you know, there's a whole theories that we're living in a simulation. But if you coded a video game, you know what's going to happen because you coded it that way. So now you throw in some free will, but we know that time. Time is not a constant. The time is just a, it, the rules of time can be bent, can be, you know, we, we know that, that gravity has an impact on time. So, so time is just, you know, one of those things that can be manipulated. So, you know, back to the original thing is that, that the, one explanation is that the creator, whoever created this, you know, created time in a circular, circular pattern is what it is. And so, you know, my dad believed, like I say, he didn't believe that these were dead people that were haunting the house. These were, he was just, his ability, for whatever reason it was, was able to see through these different dimensions in different eras and different times. I, yeah, what I do can, you think about that, Jerry? 
I completely believe that it's two separate things. I think that there are spirits and stuff here that would some would call ghosts, but I also think there are different dimensions that sometimes people will see. I mean, you see it with residual energy sometimes when somebody's on uh, at Gettysburg and they happen to see a full battle raging in front of them. Mm-hmm. Is that a residual energy? Is that a ghost? Is that a different uh, parallel universe? That's up for debate. I would tend to say something like that would be a residual energy. But you have situations to where something that would be similar, where people are have been at plantations in modern day, and they'll look out the window and they'll see basically a party happening out in front. They get the stagecoaches pulling up and the women in their Victorian dresses and the men that you know, getting them down from, and it's obvious that this is from a different time. Then they go downstairs and look and it's all gone. Now that sounds a lot like the same thing at Gettysburg, but is it a residual energy or is that her or this person that was looking actually seeing into a different dimension? I know with uh, Andrea Perrin, she talks about her mom, uh, you know, obviously Andrea from the the Conjuring, but she Mm -hmm. talks about her mom walking in the kitchen at one point and she stares into the dining room and there's like a family there from a different time period enjoying their meal. And one of them looks at her and it's like he was as surprised to see her as them. And that really sounds like it was from a different dimension, not a residual energy just because of the interaction. My, so, I mean, it's a really tough question, but I think it's a combination of, of those three ghost residual energies and different dimensions. So my dad described it as an echo that it was like an echo of time and that so sometimes when like if you can see them and just like we were talking about from the country, they could see you and it's things like some, you know, things getting knocked over in your kitchen or someone picking toys up out of your toy box that you just put in there. Is that someone from another dimension seeing you and trying to figure out what the heck is going on, especially if they were from the past looking forward? For me, Personally, I don't think so. I think an actual spirit uh, that is here on Earth and now would be more likely to be able to touch something, knock something over, make contact. But a residual energy is like to me, it's just like watching a movie. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna you can you can talk up and talk to the screen if you want to, but they're not gonna answer back. Mm-hmm. And I think I think from a different dimension, it's it's kind of where I think you can notice each other, but I don't know that you could make physical contact with each other. That's kind of the way I see it, to, to break it down to three different ways. It's, it's almost like that Nicole, what was it, the Nicole Kidman movie, The Others? Yeah. Where yes. she thought everybody else was the ghost. Yeah. Not to, and, now, if I'm giving it away because you haven't seen The Others from 20 years ago, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it clearly had an was, O'Henry-esque ending to yeah, it. Yeah, which then she comes to find out she's the ghost. She's I mean, the ghost. Which was probably one of the most brilliant movies in that regard with that twist. Well, I mean, and well, then you come out with The Sixth Sense with yeah. Bruce Willis. Yeah, so. the same thing where, you know, you don't realize you're the ghost. And, and so who knows? Maybe we're the ghosts, you know? And some, well, if this and is the best of, that you look with Jason's well. theory, then that blows that theory completely <laughs> out of it. Listen, <laughs> listen Jason is... Uh, but at least you're not wearing a mullet, so I guess maybe this is... Well, I is did it one thing. time. Well, I'm saying is right now you're not, so maybe that is. <laughs> so, so Jerry, what's what has been your favorite 
Um, I mean, and I'm not, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what's been your favorite part other than getting to do this with your wife? What's been your favorite part of, of doing this podcast? Like what's some of your favorite, um, stories or things that you've kind of learned or how has it changed your perspective on things as you've gotten into this and, t- and read more stories, research more stories, talk to more people? I think my, f- you know, that's a loaded question because there's a lot of different favorite you know, parts, and some are did that some are more some are more important than others. So we'll start with the fun part, the fun aspect of it. First of all, as I kind of hinted to this earlier, if you'd have asked me about reincarnation five years ago, I would have told you I don't believe. Now I 100% believe in reincarnation, just because we have done so many past lives stories on our show. That I, 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 there's no way I could not, I wouldn't say not even consider it. I, I can't believe how I could not even fully believe in it. I mean, when you've got five and six year old kids that are, that are saying they lived in a city that they'd never been to and they were hit in the head with an ax and killed and they actually take somebody to the spot they're buried and then they tell you who did it and then the guy confesses, how do you explain something like that? And, you know, that's one story that's uh, that's out there. I want to say it's from India, maybe. But there are so many stories that we've covered to where, you know, kids three, four, five years old have picked, you know, told stories about being their own their own kid's dad. You know, their actual grandfather reincarnated and picked pictures uh, out, out of uh, photo albums and and be so specific on details of their life. I mean, it's just amazing to me, and there's no explanation to me other than reincarnation. And I know you can look at stuff like David Blaine does and say, oh, my God, that's there's no way he could have done this without magic. And, you know, I get that. But when you're talking about a three-, four-, five-year-old kid saying stuff that they have n- should have no idea that what right. they're talking about. It goes beyond the power of suggestion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. So that that's one of the things that I've I've changed my view on reincarnation uh, since I started uh, doing the show. So that that's fun. One of my my favorite shows was the uh, the Bell Witch story. It's always been my favorite paranormal story. I think it's awesome. But just the in general, just being able to see these stories because we try to come up with a bunch of stories nobody else has really heard of. And after you've done something for five years, you kind of start running out of the big ones, so you don't have a choice. Yeah, it's difficult. But, it's difficult for sure. Right. Yeah. But it's it's amazing how many stories we've tracked down that end up being like fantastic stories. I mean, just loaded. And it's like I'd never heard of the story. Then people would tell us, I've never heard of that before. And it's like, man, this is as good as why, why isn't how Hollywood made a movie about this? <laughs> you know, and and so those kind of things are are really cool. Uh, so that, those things have been fun, the, just the, the research and doing the live events that we do and getting to meet uh, listeners. Uh, that's really cool. But the thing that we're always going to take the most enjoyment out of, and it's the most important, is the fact that we get at least one or two emails or text messages every single week from somebody that said that they're suffering from some type of mental illness and uh, they were suicidal and we either helped them to get to to reach out and get help, or they were on the verge of suicide and decided not to because of something we said on our show, because that's something we make 
as part of our show every week. We start off every show thanking our military and civil servants and and basically telling everybody that if they need help mentally, we're there for them and they can reach out to us. And we we make sure that there is no stigma about mental illness and you shouldn't feel bad or you shouldn't feel like you're some kind of an oddball because that you suffer from depression. And uh, so, like I said, we get tons of calls. We've got a Facebook group of 5,100 people that about two years ago, we 100% completely turned into a mental health support group. So, yeah, there's fun stuff and there's stuff about the show, but we use our Facebook page to post more show stuff. And our Facebook group is just 5,100 people right now of like-minded individuals that know that it, if you if you are struggling with something, you can come on and say, hey, I'm having a really rough day and this has happened and that's happened. And you're going to have about 30 responses in probably 15 minutes from all over the world. And because there are people all over the world, it doesn't matter what time of day. If you're on the West Coast and you're three hours behind the East Coast and you're up late and it's three o'clock in the morning, guess what? There's somebody from Australia. There's somebody from Great Britain that's in that group that can respond to you. So nobody goes unanswered. It's a, it's really an amazing thing. And it's what we're most proud of. I think people, you know, the, the stigma is coming off because you have guys like Kevin Love, professional basketball player who comes out and talks about how he struggled with depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, why would a guy who has everything in the world? Well, because there's those things you can't control. Because you're human. Yeah. You yeah, can't control and, it. And everybody so, I right. think suffers from, and, 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 you know, not just the mental illness part, but, you know, like for us, when we have people contact us that have stories that they've kept to themselves for, you know, we've had people that have kept stories to themselves for 50 years, mm-hmm. you know, that like they had a sighting or a, or an event that happened to them and they just felt they couldn't tell anybody because then they were going to get ridiculed or told right. they were crazy right. or something, which is totally unfair. You know, it's totally unfair well, it to, to judge somebody like that. Well, you that. know, the thing about it you is, know. to piggyback what, what Grover's saying is, that term that people use every day in their vernacular, the word crazy, I'm seeing that less and less when talking about mental health. And, and in my profession, you know, we don't, you know, I don't hardly ever hear anybody use the word crazy. Oh, he's just crazy. It is, hey, I think he's mental health. Hey, I think he's dual diagnosis. Hey, I think and I think that's a huge step forward in getting rid of the stigma of mental health. Well, and, because and, I and think that, treatment. I think the more that it's people talk about it and it's it's being looked on as mm-hmm. not some sort of uh, you know, let's ostracize them from society, there's no help for them. I think people are beginning to research or whatever, be able to realize there is help for just oh, about everybody. One of the biggest, one of the biggest holes in the judicial system, uh, when I got involved with what I do, one of the biggest holes was the, the, the mental health. Like, you know, what do you do? I mean, untreated mental health defendants. So, yeah, that's that's a it's it's a move in the right direction, and you guys are doing an amazing. Yeah, you thing, guys so. have a huge platform to yeah. to really help people. You know get yeah. better and when i listened to the episodes that was one of the things that jumped out at me yeah. when i first started listening to your episodes was how you how you address that issue so yeah it's very important yeah so we appreciate we appreciate you know you guys doing that because we know there's a lot of people out there that uh that suffer from and, and and need it yeah well i, I appreciate like i said that if i would say and this sounds crazy because this is how we make our living but we probably would have quit doing the podcast two years in 
if it wouldn't for those type of people writing and telling us what a difference it makes. We do it now way more for those people and knowing that we make a difference than we would ever do it for financially. Wow. That's good for you. Yeah. That says something. That's, that's pretty amazing right there. So, so we, you know, we talked a lot about the paranormal stuff, but how, you know, we talk a lot about Bigfoot and Dogman and other kind of cryptids. How much do you guys get into that, if at all? And what what do you kind of think about that subject? Well, I'm not a big cryptid and UFO fan. I 100% believe in both. They just don't fascinate me. Now, I occasionally run across a story that I think is, yeah, I guess a little more interesting than the others. And I'll do them. I, I try to, cause I know we have people that like the variety. So about every four or five months or so, I'll throw in a cryptid story or I'll throw in a UFO story, but you know, it's just not something I have a huge interest. Like, don't even get me started on Chupacabra. I can't see how anybody is interested in Chupacabra. Okay. It's just weird. It's this weird mangy looking dog. that's killing stuff. Even if it 100% is a Chupacabra, it still doesn't fascinate me. Ah, that's because your goats have not been eaten by a Chupacabra. That's it. Right. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, I think that the majority of our listeners are, are, are probably, you know, the, the big guy, you know, people, they love, love Bigfoot. They love Bigfoot. They love, mm-hmm. uh, they, they love everything about it. But I think, here's the thing, they've Jerry has shown us that you don't just have to talk about Bigfoot to have people love your show. Right. So we shouldn't feel the pressure to talk about Bigfoot all, all the time. time. All the time. Well, like I said, we you know, th- there's this different niche, whether it's <laughs> UFOlogy or, 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 or cryptids or, or paranormal. I will say this, we're not going to do a show on Chupacabra. Just because Jerry. Just because I'm scared of this. <laughs> yes. Because, the, you know, one time he'll tune in, he'll be like, oh, my God, they're talking about Chupacabra. These guys are nuts. I should have never talked to them. Yeah, so. <laughs> so so f- finishing up a, f- a few things, um, definitely believe there's evil spirits out there. Definitely believe that there's, there's this sense of good. There's this sense of evil. Uh, possessions. I know you've done a really good show for anybody out there that uh, wants to go listen to a really good show of, of, of Jerry's. And Tra- the episode number. And Tracy's. I do not. Yeah, I think, I think it was might have been episode 65. It was one of the older ones with about the right, the movie The Right. And actually, we just re- that's the one we just released this past Friday as a classic episode. So if anybody goes to our yeah. feed, it's going to be like right there when the next last couple of episodes yeah absolutely yeah, Father Gary Thomas is awesome yes yeah you yes, listen to is. that you listen to that and 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 try to say that that uh the exorcisms aren't real and the, the demon possession isn't real it's it, and that's really the kind of thing that scares scares me oh yeah i, I gotta be honest yeah, absolutely. and i've had a cryptid experience it was pretty terrifying but but what scares me more than anything is, is demonology that scares me more than anything because look flesh and blood creatures okay but something like that that's, you know, that can possess you, uh, that's pretty scary. Or, and, and I've got an interesting story. We won't tell here. We've told it before. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about it. My wind story with my daughter. Uh, that's just ter- that, That's the type of things that just terrify me. So, yeah, I, I think that there's some interesting theories out there. We've talked about whether there's ghosts or energy, poltergeists, but, but evil spirits, now what they are, I don't know, but but whether they're demons from hell or whatever, but but they exist. 
evil spirits exist, mm-hmm. and, and it's terrifying. So that's where I contradict myself a little bit because I sat right earlier and said I believe in in people being evil. I don't necessarily believe in demons, but I do believe in possession. Mm-hmm. And you would think if you believe in possession, those would almost have to be demons. So this whole thing is not a di- direct science. There's there's you know an exact science, I should say. It's everybody's going to have a little difference of opinion, and you got some people who don't believe in any of it. So I mean, it's just it's all where are you at on the barometer. Mm-hmm. And we often say, just because you don't believe in it, doesn't mean it doesn't uh, believe in you. That's right. <laughs> right. Yep. What's the famous sign? The greatest trick the devil ever played on mankind was convincing them that he, he didn't doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, well, Jerry, give all of our listeners to kind of give them a rundown of where they can find you guys at, where they can listen to these 500 episodes that you guys put out a week. And I know you guys do some live shows. You guys have got some live shows coming up. Um, yep. and just kind of let anybody that, uh, uh, cause I think once you go listen to you guys, then you're going to want to go check you guys out live. So, uh, give our, give our listeners the rundown. The easiest thing we're on every major platform. The easiest thing to do to keep up with everything that we got going on is uh hillbillyhorrorstories.com. We have a cruise that we're doing next September to the Bahamas. It's got over 200 people signed up that it's all going to be a bunch of paranormal and uh, true crime podcast getting together, doing some live events and stuff on the on the boat. Do I have, to, we've do got, I have uh, to wear a Do I have to wear a speedo if I come? But you don't have to. I mean, I would think that you would want to, but you know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we're just. I'm just asking. You know, I don't. You know, if I decide I want to come, I don't want to make anybody jump off the ship. You know. <laughs> but we're doing. Uh, in September, we're doing St. Augustine, a live event, and uh, we're actually doing it on the beach, not physically in the sand, but the uh, a, a condominium association that's on the beach. And then uh, the night before, we're doing a live investigation of the St. Augustine Lighthouse. It's going to be private, just a group of 30 of us. So we, and in, in October, where are we going? Bobby Mackey's up in uh, in the Cincinnati area, which everybody's seen Bobby Mackey's on TV. And we do a live event inside there. It's on a Sunday. It's just us and our, and our 50 of our close friends. Nice. Then we got uh, Dallas, Galveston, and Memphis all in October. So, And then a live show for our five-year anniversary in Louisville. So, yeah, it's, uh, we got a lot of live events going on and the cruise. And like I said, you can find out all more details and tickets and all that stuff at HillbillyHorrorStories.com. You're like the James Brown of podcasting. The hardest working man. Well, you just staying busy. Staying yeah. busy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got a I, I got a book out too that you can read. It's uh Hillbilly Horror Stories from Hell to High Water. But it actually is in it's it's a unique book in the fact that the first it's in three parts. The first part is about growing up in a haunted house and all my paranormal experiences. The second part is about why we are so passionate about the uh, mental health. It's it's where I got a divorce, went through a deep state of depression and a failed suicide attempt. And then the third part is how we started Hillbilly Horror Stories and how we use the the love of the paranormal and my experiences to reach out to people with uh, mental situations and, and illnesses and try to, you know, and we even include like 20, I think it's 20 or 25 of those emails and messages from people that I got approval to use that sent us, you know, telling us what a difference it made in their life. We put that at the end of the book, so. That's and that's fantastic. available on the website as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that is. That is. Well, we we certainly appreciate all the hard work that you do because we kind of, like we said, we know about the behind the scenes. 
and the amount of stuff that you're doing and still so passionate about helping people with mental health. I think that's, yep. that's awesome. So, and I think everybody listening has to, has to almost certainly agree with that. And so we urge everybody to go check out Jerry and Tracy at the Hillbilly Horror Stories. Listen to those episodes, go check them out live if they're in your area. Cause I'm sure it's gotta be a fun time. You know, so, oh, yeah. so Jerry, thanks for hanging out with us for a, for a little bit and, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it guys. Thanks for having me on. And always remember if you're struggling in life for whatever's going on, it's okay not to be okay. Amen. Yep. Amen, Amen to that. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.